house The flames fell and the wind blew A new word to fill our mouths Fire in our hearts And power for our souls The spirit came into my life To make this scared man bold Well, today I've got the the composer, the author, Moose Smith, or as it says on the title, uh, T. Stephen Smith. Um, and just full disclosure, uh, Moose is my dad. So, hey, Dad. Hey, son. How are you? I'm okay. Yeah, we're we're doing all right here. We're we're, uh, we're recording remotely because of all of the uh, quarantining that's going on in the country. So this is uh, uh, going to be interesting. But thank goodness to technology, we're 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 speaking together that's right yeah well let's jump right in it uh my previous episode i kind of did a um sort of a summary or a welcome to the show type of deal and uh played some clips from the show talked a little bit about who you are but basically for for anyone who's around there just just say hello and tell us about yourself well I have been a musician probably as long as I can remember. Um, started formally training on the piano when I was in the third grade and um, continued into classics pretty much through um, middle school or junior high, as we called it back then. We um, uh, I, I fell in love with R&B music. And uh, that was by chance. I was shopping for a model car at a department store and across the way heard the record department playing. Will you still love me tomorrow by the Shirelles? And I, I just I fell in love. I just I said, this is something that I'm not really uh, have have any idea as to where this came from and then that's when i started studying things other than the classics so um through high school went into one particular band through high school uh in college i became a member of a band which ultimately was uh, inducted into the carolina beach music hall of fame and what was that band's name the N Men Limited. We were out of uh, Burlington, North Carolina, and uh, it was it was quite quite a, a a good scene. We we got to rub elbows with the Motown folks and a lot of the. Um, when you the say rub music. elbows, you, you're you're not just saying you said hello. You actually played with these That's, guys. We pro- played with them. Like we, like who? every every with the the four tops, the Temptations, Marvin Gaye, of course, a lot of the regional bands like the Tams and the Showman, and um, it, it was quite an interesting run of being able to get on stage play about a half an hour show and then stay on stage and read their charts. And, um, it, it was, it was a really a grooming time, I guess you'd say. And what was you uh, and, you, and your, what was your role in the band? What, what instrument did you play? I played, uh, the organ, 
primarily the B3 organ. Our bass player quit. He got tired of touring. And I had the smart idea of saying, listen, why don't we not get a bass player and let me learn the piano bass, and which I became quite adept at. And in that way, we were able to share his his cut of of the the uh, the money and uh so therefore up to this day i'm primarily known as the b3 and um and piano bass player although i do play guitar and and string bass as well and you sing you were one of the singers too i was one of the singers as well that's that's true um Later on, found myself uh, and uh, with Pat Robertson's network, and I was the music director for the 700 Club television program for five and a half years. Ain't no valley too low to keep his love from me. Ain't no planet too far. Then moved to Tulsa and kept on with my uh, music career as a, a orchestral director out there for a, a large church, as well as uh, doing session work and and arranging. We moved to Atlanta. Wait, wait! And, before you moved to Atlanta, and of course, here again, I have inside information. I know, <laughs> I know about all this okay. stuff. Okay. This is your time in Tulsa is when you wrote your first musical. That's right. The first musical. Can you tell me the zip of that faraway land uh, based on the parable of the prodigal son? Uh, and it was my first attempt. You know, I, I'd grown up not very interested in, um, in musicals. Um, but it was interesting that you and your sister Susanna became more and more attached to the scene of musicals. And I think that's where I kind of got a little more interested in it myself. So yeah, that was, that was the first attempt. We premiered it out there at the Tulsa performing arts center. And it was, um, a grand time was had by all. Yes. Well, eventually I believe after a few years of different productions of this, uh, you licensed it to be, um, performed at churches and and people could buy the script and perform that's right correct? okay exactly yes that is true so okay, so you uh, moved to atlanta yeah and uh my wife uh sue carroll and i had formed our uh our production company called earth salt and um we worked out of the same studio as the one in which uh, Randy Bug and Sonny Lollerstedt had their 12 Oaks studios. How sweet it is to be loved by you. Oh, yeah. How sweet it is to be loved by you. And so it was a good, it was a, it was a good mixture. So it's able to do session work for them and, uh, work on 
things uh, on my own as well. Uh, one of the albums that we cut there um, that was up for the Dove um, Award in 1982 was a, a black gospel, uh, a black gospel um, effort from Teddy Huffam and the GMs. And uh, then went on the road pretty much as a, as a single for uh, CCM and um, worked and worked and worked. And then uh, suddenly finally said, you know what? I'm not seeing my kids all that much. So I decided to get off the road and that's when we moved up to Nashville, oddly enough to try to get out of music um, and get into teaching which i did for 30 years i taught uh, four years in private schools up here and uh, then the remainder i was with public school setting in williamson county and you taught uh, all sorts of things besides music and, and history <laughs> and you were ahead of certain uh, really cool things like the triumph choir and that's right. Like that. Yeah. You were my teacher right. for a while. So <laughs> I remember that. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And so you've been teaching up until just a few years ago, but um, I know that you've still been playing and it was around this time, uh, what, in the mid to late eighties that you came up with this idea for the musical that we're talking about kingdom come, right? That's right. Exactly. Okay, so tell, tell me how this idea came about. I fell in love in the early 70s with um, Clarence Jordan's work. Um, he's a fellow who was in, in charge of the, uh, the Koinonia farm down in Americus, Georgia. And he had taken the New Testament, the, the original Greek, translated it into a version for which the, uh, the Gospels were told in... Um, in relation to 1950s Deep South, um, I was with a, a evangelistic association uh, on the staff, and all the staff members had to read uh, a few of his pieces. And I, did, I thought that was just such an interesting way of, of doing um, doing it. And later on, uh, Harry Chapin, right before he passed away, uh, wrote music, which became a very popular off-Broadway show called uh, Cotton Patch Gospel. Uh, I, I loved the way that thing worked, but um, my problem was I, I had no um, had no expertise with bluegrass, which seemed to make this thing work well. Um, but I remembered my father and I used to watch Flat and Scruggs every Saturday evening at 6.30 off of WFMY TV in Greensboro. And I, it was it was interesting. You know, it wasn't something that I said, I need to learn how to do this. But it was, I, I knew there was substance so you to started, what they were doing. So you started uh, kind of recalling this memory of, of watching Flat and Scruggs. That's right. Uh, right around the time that you were coming up with the idea of telling that's right telling kingdom come which at the time went through all sorts of different 
I'm sure iterations, but just tell us how, how the, the day one of writing at the, what okay, became day one, kingdom. Come. All right. Day one, we became, uh, I, I became involved actually putting this thing down on paper and staff, um, in our carport after we moved up here to Nashville in 1985 and, actually finished it right there it was you know old uh <laughs> dirt floor studio basically and um uh worked and worked uh just did it on a little cassette player and um had had quite quite a bit of comings and goings with the different characters but it just seemed to flow real easily i, I tried to not necessarily do a straight cop off of the um um of the original cotton patch gospel i mean this is this is um i, I took Basically the idea an, ins an inspiration uh to uh because cotton patch was a gospel book one of the gospels whereas you're telling the story of the book of acts which is uh, for those That's of you who right. don't know the Bible, it's the uh, after the four Gospels. There's the Book of Acts, which is after Jesus uh, dies, raises uh, back to life, right. and then ascends. Right. Uh, the church the, begins. The church begins. So, yeah, uh, in inspiration of the Southern U.S. setting and the sort of uh, country uh, bluegrass Southern rock music, um, you wanted to set those parameters to tell the story. Uh, and so exactly you started right. writing songs. Um, did you write songs first? Did you write out an outline? Did you uh, did you come up with characters and then build songs around them? The the script and the songs came together. Uh, it took. Mm, I was going to say maybe a couple of years for the script to finally be finished. And uh, and for all the pieces to be put on that little cassette player, um, teaching got a lot more complicated. So therefore, it went and was put on a shelf for a good long while. Yeah, good long while, uh, decades. Yeah, I think. good long while. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty much like thirty years. It was sitting there um, in nineteen seventeen. In nineteen, in twenty seventeen, excuse me, yeah. hundred years um, later, a hundred years later, yes. Um, my wife Sue Carroll passed away, and I, it suddenly dawned on me. Here was this thing sitting in a shelf somewhere, and, and I needed to move on it. So you dug out, you went looking for the cassette that you recorded 30 years prior. That's right. Yeah. And, and I dug, found and it. Dug, and it and yeah, it took a long, long while, but I finally found the only copy of the demo for all the songs. And if that thing had been lost, then we would not be talking right now. Uh, the, the script had already been typed out. So after I found the, the um, I knew I had to find the music first found it and then I started digging for the script which had been typed out and uh, that took a while <laughs> and it was in another drawer 
So after that, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm retired. I am, um, you know, I had been Sue Carroll's caregiver uh, once her condition um, became apparent that she wasn't going to be able to teach anymore. And uh, so after she passed away, I said, I, I really need to uh, take the time now and, and finish this up. So here we are. Here we are. Here we are. You know. Right. So you, 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 uh, and you, you and I have a studio together. So over at your house, uh, what was right. the, the carport? The, You've had renovated into a, a relatively yeah. good studio, and we've yeah. done we've done some projects there. I produced one That's of your right. records there. I, I I do some work time to time uh, there. Right. So, um, and um, yeah, I think and uh, oddly enough, the studio is named the Moose Lodge. The Moose Lodge, so. and and of course, yeah. your your publishing company is the Call of the Moose or Call of the Moose. Call uh, of the Moose Publishing. A right. lot of a lot of moose things here, um, but. Uh, so you, you, since we've been working together on music our whole life and of course recently in the studio together, you called me and said, Hey, can, can we produce this? Meaning, you know, Jeff, take, take the tapes and, and make it happen. So, so right. I, took, I I'll, I'll jump in here and tell my side of it. I, I took your cassette and, uh, well, actually before that you, you gave it to, um, uh, a guy named Randy Gardner who ended up being the mastering producer for this record and uh he digitized the cassette so that it'd be easier to listen to on you know on the computer or whatever and uh i listened to that wrote some charts down whenever i had time because I, I i'm a musician and so half the time i'm i'm in the hotel room of i was on tour a lot of last year uh so right. i was i was um uh just during the day nothing to do so i charted out all the songs and, and made lyrics and and then we started making phone calls to see if anyone would want to be involved as far as, um, you know, lending their musical skills, singing skills, because we decided uh, rather than just do another demo of this, uh, uh, we wanted to do a full recording and actually make it like a cast recording. So uh, I originally, uh, I laid down an acoustic guitar demo with me singing all the parts. And then I put some bass, upright bass and some electric bass and uh, started uh, arranging session files so that we can just bring people over to the studio literally one at a time uh right. and record you know i we i think the first thing we did was we brought in um uh chad jeffers who's carrie underwood's you know, dobro player guitar player and he started adding some of that country flair to it to give it you know the, right. some authenticity because i can't play that stuff and then right, right. and then we started getting uh other top-notch session guys glenn duncan um, you can, the list will go on here, you know, Buddy Green, Gordon Kennedy, uh, it just started turning out to be this just giant project. Uh, and then all the vocalists involved, Rick Florian, you know, from Whiteheart, uh, you know, Chris Harris, a lot of the guys that I work with in the live music scene in Nashville, uh, like Duke Pendleton, Patrick Thomas. I mean, it just, it became, a um, an amazing who's who, um, and I and I'm going to be getting a lot of those people on the show too, but right. it was still uh, pay as you go type of thing. We would I would get a day where I'm like, okay, well I've got to bring the banjo guy in here. Can't fit a whole ensemble in this little studio. We okay, 
eventually we did get a whole gospel choir in there of about you know half a dozen people crammed mm-hmm. into a very small studio but with the mm-hmm. magic of of overdubs and stuff it sounds like a full church choir so that was a that was a fun day um <laughs> so but it was it was long going I, I recall some of your frustrations of you know when is this is this thing ever going to happen because uh you know we're, we're, we're trying to be frugal and we're also trying to just make it the best we can and a lot of times that's this day and age you have to record at home um there was a couple of times where uh i would send out files to other musicians like casey todd who played uh, a drum kit on a lot of the, the tracks he would just do it at his studio your friend fletch wiley did remote horn tracks but for the most part we got everybody in the studio uh one time or another which is hilarious now that now that the record is out uh this is the first time everybody can like understand what was going on right a lot of times i'd bring somebody in and they're they're singing along their lead vocals to a demo acoustic guitar and i said just don't worry there's going to be a full band behind you just sing it like it's happening you know (laughs) so they're walking away going okay whatever i have no idea uh, and then there's sometimes they haven't even read the script. They just kind of know what their song is and like, well, I'll, you tell me what I'm supposed to do. And it's kind of like the old timey movies where it's like, you know, okay, we're just going to film right. the scene. Trust me. I'll make it work. So hopefully, yeah. <laughs> hopefully that's what happened uh, when we, when we got, when we got all the stuff together. Right. So speaking, speaking of magic, I think one of my most thrilling parts was, um, on the song, The Gift, where it speaks of the Holy Spirit given to the upper room crowd. And uh, there's a, it's a dance uh, segment. And at the end of it is a verse of A Mighty Fortress Is Our God um, being sung in seven or eight different languages. And there's a beautiful choir um that that comes in of cathedral like choir that comes in to sing this and if if i if you and i didn't say it it probably nobody would ever tell it's just you and your sister doing all the vocal parts many for the times entire over, choir. yeah that's right well and i and, and i, and I will apologize well. to everyone out there the pronunciation of a lot of these foreign languages is just terrible um Hopefully they get the 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 gist of it and they extend some grace to us. You know, um, when when this show eventually does get produced, I'm sure the the real director and the, all of these people will make sure that we get that right. But yes, there was a lot. There's another scene in there where there's a, a full ensemble of tap dancers, clog dancers, yes. or whatever. But that's just my sister uh, with her tap <laughs> shoes on over and over and over again uh, to make it sound right. like it's a whole bunch of people, which. I've never done that before. You know, we, we thought about how are we going to do that? How are we going to get, uh, a f- you know, we thought about going down to a dance studio and hiring a, you know, a class of, of dancers, but that the logistics of, of remote recording, considering that still a lot of this stuff is all done two tracks at a time, maybe four tracks at a time. And we, we, right. we started with a really small kind of older piece of, of interface that, and then we've, throughout the course of this recording added material uh to it some new preamps um some new you know obviously we upgraded our complete interface to the, the a brand new apogee system and uh so it, it started to, to grow uh 
And so, but fortunately, it, everything all kind of sounds together. I mean, I, I tip my hat to Randy Gardner, the, the mastering engineer who really took my mixes and made them not terrible. <laughs> so um, you done good, son. Well, so anyways, so we talked about how the project got started. I, I talked on the last episode a little bit about the story you have as well. Uh, how did we find a lot of these people who worked on the project? A lot of it was just out of prayer. We just said, you know, we can't do it like the original Cotton Patch Gospel, where the story is told by one singer and who's backed up by a four or five piece bluegrass band. Uh, Axe has so many different characters coming and going that we had to have the separate characters. So who do we get? Well, we knew uh, Rick Florian, who is a member of our church, uh, uh, was the lead singer for um, Whiteheart back in the day. And, well, still in the day. I think they're doing dates now as well. Uh, he uh, carved out some time to to be able to come and do it um we wanted i wanted paul to be characterized by a singer who could do a charlie daniels type vibe and your your friend Duke pendleton uh came and did such a, a wonderful job doing that uh a lot of these other guys uh, you had known uh, and and out of the list of the folks that I had worked with, it just seemed like one after the other, they came and, and did their, their part. Yeah. And, and everybody, was, everybody said, yeah. I mean, it, we were just, Hey, would you want to be a part of this thing? We don't really know where it's going to go, but right. everybody, everyone wanted to show up, you know, it was great. Yeah. I think obviously a lot of it is just these people love you dad. And they really just, uh, wanted to to bless you with their skills, but also uh, I think they um, I think they were up for it. I, I'm really excited about all the people that have been a part of it, and I'm glad that they all have uh, done it. Um, what were some of the challenges to this project? Well, obviously, part of the challenges was the fact that, from a physical standpoint, I have been going through several surgeries and. I really had to lean on you to translate what my thoughts were on the show into a recorded, uh, in a recorded fashion. Uh, I, I essentially um, was was here to give some sort of idea of how to tweak, but you t- you took it upon yourself to really pull this thing out because I and I think we've got what we needed from from the gist of what Axe is about. I, I don't want to come up with something, some new interpretation of Axe. I want it to be true to how Luke wrote it. And well, uh, I, I will know. add that uh, I, I'm amazed that so much of your lyrics and, and, and even the, the, the book of the play, it, it's straight out of that text. Um, aside from the name changes and, and sort of some of right. the colloquialisms of how they spoke. But I mean, th- this stuff is, is straight out of the, straight out of the, the text. So right. uh, the challenge, I think some of, so, I think 
anyone who takes on a project like this realizes that are we gonna do this right and i think we just right um that i think part of part of my problem also was the fact that i didn't want to take clarence jordan's work and pretend it was mine i liked his idea so i went from the standpoint of taking that idea and coming up with it from a standpoint of my own work and I, I, I think I've done it, and I think with the Holy Spirit's help, it's been a, a wonderful journey pulling this thing off. Mm. Well, what are your hopes for the project? I don't know, to tell you the truth. I would like to see it on, on stage, but you you remember you remembered well about the uh, uh, my first musical, and I think one thing, two things was was proven number one i could write a show of that length and number two i'm not a theatrical uh person to actually put this on stage uh, i would like somebody who has who will share the vision to be able to get it uh done and done well and uh work at it from that standpoint but being the one who funds it and and gets you know actually produces it i don't i don't know that that's me so we'll we'll see well i i agree with you there i i want to see this done too and i think we're we're just kind of scratching the surface here i mean obviously we've we've put a lot of uh creativity and effort into this cast recording which is a cast recording that is sort of not even a cast recording it's a concept album whatever you want to call it but uh, right. I definitely uh, am hoping also that we find the right avenues, um, theatrical, performance, tour, uh, all of this stuff. And not not for gain, but for, first of all, just to get this out there because it, it is a It's great, an exciting story, for the, sure. Yes, the story is exciting. And the music is great. The songs that you wrote are awesome. Great. Some of your best stuff, <laughs> I think. And I've listened to a lot of your stuff. I've heard a couple songs. Yes, you have. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, we're, this is the first of many talks. Uh, I, I, the other day when we were talking about well, what, what can we do, and I, I just thought I just want to talk about it, but you know, it's kind of hard, uh, even without all of this crazy everybody stay home type of stuff that's going on. Uh, it's hard to get uh, attention brought to something. Uh, right. So I would have done a podcast anyways, but this just seems to be like a great. Uh, discussion that people could jump in on. Uh, I would love to, you know, get some comments from people, um, and I'd love to get some feedback. And I'd just love to get this stuff played. And uh, if you thought of a tune you wanted to play out on, you know, something that we end the show with, what what would you pick from the show? Probably. Uh, oh my gosh, there's so many, but I love the conclusion of the show. The last tune where the um, the disciples are gathering, remembering the crucifixion, remembering that that's what the whole uh, the whole pardon the pun the crux of the matter mm-hmm. uh, is, and and then at the end the entire cast comes on and. Um, and sings about how what a glorious what a glorious thing God has done 
for us, although we didn't deserve it. And, and therefore, the, the, that entire last part is just, it gets me thrilled every time I hear it. Yeah. And then it brings everybody all in at the, the end to, to sing a, the big finale yeah. of Here We Are. So yeah, we'll play, uh, play the ending of Kingdom Come. And uh, thanks, Dad, for being on this episode. And let's, let's do another one. More to come. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And, and uh, subscribe. Jump on the Kingdom Come podcast. And let's, uh, let's see you next time. Thank you so much. Thank you. stood and gazed upon the regal face that was speaking in words that would not bend and they felt amazed at tales are told of kingdom promises but they failed to hear the story to the end They laughed at phony punchlines And they wrote him off the card As another feeble dreamer of the day There were few who dared defend him For too much was on the line And they blamed his love for leading men astray
Nothing else Nothing more than this I've given you the best that I could offer You can leave your wandered shoes unlaced Parked beside the door There's nowhere else to run to No one else to turn to If you need a hand to handle all you missed Come to me Cause there's nothing more than this Come to me Cause there's nothing more than this I feel a celebration coming on I know this day is taking Learn the truth that once